1: everyone this is the two guys from Hollywood Podcast on iHeartRadio and Dan Patrick Podcast Network production
2: I'm Alan Nevins and I'm Joey Santos This week we're talking to model and photographer Bruce Hulse. Bruce has been modeling for decades and has some pretty wild stories to share
1: He's terribly handsome, and with his successful modeling and photography career, it's been easy for people to make assumptions about him, which is why we chose our theme this week to be inner versus outer beauty. I expect we will get a lot out of him on that. Yes.
2: Grab a drink and let's dive in. Tonight we have a special cocktail. For Bruce. For Bruce, yeah. Yeah. He loves a caipirinha, which is the... Caipirinha. 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 It's a Brazilian cocktail, which is there's a sort of like their national drink. Okay. And it's made with limes. Um, I'll give you the ingredients now anyway. And I, and I renamed it. I call it the uh, Sunset Over Ipanema. Well, and that's because you changed it a little bit, That's because I you? changed it a little bit. Yeah, I had a little bit of pomegranate liqueur just to give it this little pink... Um, so it's uh, a couple of limes cut in half lengthwise and the pith removed, cut in What's quarters. What's pith? The pith, that little white thing in the center, that oh, vein. Oh, that stringy thing in the middle yeah, of your yeah. orange that you can't bear. It's all bitter. Mm-hmm. You squeeze it. You cut it into quarters. <laughs> um, you add a half a table, uh, about two tablespoons of sugar. Get ready for that. Two ounces of cachaca. What's a cachaca? It's a Brazilian liqueur, similar to rum. Oh, okay. Liqueur, rather. And, uh. Tablespoon of fresh lime juice and crushed ice, and shake it up and go for it. Is, I add is a little bit of Kashaka
1: a rum or is it kind it's of in like the rum. family of rum? It's a rum family. Yes, rum it's in the rum. It's a rum family. Yeah.
2: So there you go. It's very refreshing, very tart, a little bit sweet, and uh, pretty to look at. Okay, great.
1: Did you have a guilty pleasure you would like to share with us?
2: I went to the dentist. Ooh, that is exciting.
1: I had a toothache. Does that explain why there's an empty tooth? It's not an
2: empty tooth. Oh. Not oh, what's yet. that
1: black thing in your mouth?
2: It's a mole. <laughs> Smartass. <laughs> no, I had a horrible toothache, and then I had, a, and I have a pinch nerve in my shoulder simultaneously. Yeah, well, you pinch mine, nerve for sure. So I went through hell, pain week hell. So finally, seeing the dentist, seeing the doctor, got some prescriptions, put me on some things to ease, relieve some of this. So hopefully, is it I gone? Won't... The pinched
1: nerve. Or it's not
2: gone. It's being treated. With so, painkillers. Yeah, and also steroids to get the inflammation oh. down. Did do you, do you bring those painkillers with you? Did we all get one? No. Oh. <laughs> so I'm praying because I have to be on a plane in a couple of days. I'm praying that I can have some relief because I'm not flying like a pretzel. We're going to New York.
1: And we're doing a, a lot of our podcasting from there for a we week. We are. We're going to podcasting there. And it will... is
2: my birthday. That is one of the main reasons why I'm going to New York, to celebrate with some of my New York friends that have all been vaccinated. I
1: know. I have bought a chest to put all the candles for your cake in. (laughs) I hate him. (laughs) Not really. I'm bringing a torch so that we can light them all uh, very quickly.
2: Yes, please do. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, some but it'll place cards fun. will be moved I'm actually
1: this I'm weekend. anxious to see New York uh, post pandemic because some people say, "Oh, it's opening up. It's great. It's wonderful. It's nothing's changed." And other people are like, "Don't come."
2: Everybody I know has moved out of the city. They went to their Hamptons house, or they went to their uh, their Palm Beach house. Well, or by they the way, went. they should have gone
1: to their Hamptons house a long time ago. Mm,
2: I agree. I agree. And so
1: I mean, if you have a house in the Hamptons,
2: what are you doing in the city? You know, like I'm just saying, a lot of people have moved out of the city. And as a matter of fact, from what I hear, we could pick up a pretty nice apartment for a pretty good price. Well, funny you should mention that mm-hmm. because the other night I was a little bored
1: and I went on to my Zillow app to see. I was looking up something else, actually, to see what it would cost. And I thought, you know what? I wonder what's going on in New York because I almost bought a place in New York City Right after nine eleven, when prices went into the trash. Right? right. And right there in Midtown, I found a place and I thought, God, I should probably be buying this thing. A two-bedroom, it was really beautiful. And I think it was $700,000 or something. That's insane. Insane. So, of course, I thought, well, let me go on and see what <laughs> happened to prices. You know, I couldn't find anything I would even consider living in that was less than a million and a half dollars. and And these were small Mm one-bedrooms. I mean, prices are outrageous. I don't know how
2: anybody can afford to live there. Anybody with a normal salary anyway. Yeah, I don't know. Well, that's why they live in Queens. I mean, even those things have changed. Those boroughs have all changed. Brooklyn used to be the place that you could get something. Now it's insane that the prices in Brooklyn. And they all went to New
1: Jersey, and now New Jersey is expensive because it's like, well, I could live in New Jersey. It's only 30 minutes, and you're in the city, right? But now that's not even cheap.
2: No. Where was it that Frank Sinatra was from that everybody was moving to for a while? That Hello. was very cheap, and now it got all— Weehawken? No, Pohokan. No, Hoboken. Hoboken. P. Hawken. <laughs> Hoboken. Roberta P. Hawkins. Well, no, by the way, have you been Hoboken. to Hoboken? I have I have been. Hoboken's like— it's quite it's, nice, and it's, it's right on the it's river. It's a
1: little, tiny— Town yeah. really. I mean, when you get off the train, you walk through Hoboken, you're like, How is this possible mm-hmm. that this is right here? Yeah. You can see all of New York from the shores. Yeah, it's a beautiful. And it's view. like a tiny little town. Mm-hmm. It's
2: incredible. Yeah, well.
1: But probably not to last because with those prices, you know, Yeah,
2: the, now you'd be whole broken. <laughs> I think the prices went up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm looking forward to that trip to New York. Yeah, me too. I'm looking forward to
1: it. I haven't been in since the pandemic. You know, in New York, I was going six, seven times a year, and I haven't been now. Yeah, me too. I haven't been in a year and a half or something. Almost two
2: years for me. I'm
1: anxious. But, you know, I do miss, I want to go do Broadway things and see things. Well, that's not happening. I know. Well, I can go to Broadway and kick up my own heels. This is true. Show them who could really sing and dance. Not me. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll be front row
2: center, popcorn (laughs) in hand. Let me put on a show for you. So what is your guilty pleasure this week? I didn't really have
1: a guilty pleasure. I had to really crack down. And is that the right term? I didn't smoke crack. Crack down? No, that's not crack right. Crack down on crack yourself down. or crack down and on And I yourself. had to get a lot of work done yeah. because of this trip to New York. But I did get invited by one of my clients to a poker game last night, which was a lot of fun. I didn't even know you knew how
2: to play poker. I don't. I do, well, but I don't. I do. I, have no clue. I don't
1: play. I don't play very often. Oh, it's funny because she asked if you were available to play poker. And I said, I didn't even know if you knew how to play poker, but I would chat with you.
2: Yes. Well, I'd play rummy, gin. No, I'm going to gin 21 no poker. poker. How hard we played can it midnight.
1: Be? Is it midnight? We played, oh, baseball is called. And then we played midnight baseball. Or base- well, I'll look
2: into it. Well, you we can had, teach me we if you had, had, Yeah, It was
1: so much fun. And they. You know, they put a $100 limit on it so that you can't lose more than $100. Okay. I sat down. There was a couple people there that I had not met before. And when I first got there, I said, oh, you know, how's your poker game? And they said, we don't know how to play poker. I said, oh, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. I'm available. It was a really fun evening for something really simple and easy. Mm -hmm. It was super fun.
2: Yeah. My dad used to play with his friends and— I remember that would go on and on, laughing and And you never learned to play during on. all that time? I never did, no. And, and it was curious because uh, it always seemed like such a good time. I mean, it was always, it was just this raucous and everybody was laughing. It was people like Harvey Corman and Burt Reynolds and Connie Stevens. They're all in our house and they're all playing cards and laughing yeah. and drinking and music. And it was always fun. And I remember as a kid just going through... Where they were saying hi to everybody, and they were like, "Joey, sit with us," you know. And I just keep moving. Yeah, but no, that's uh, exactly it's something what, I've always been wanting it's what to play. Last
1: night was like I'm a vow. I'm I have taken a vow of secrecy to say who's there because that was part of the you know we won't tell people. Mm-hmm. And um, we did t- take some pictures for ourselves, but not to post on right. social media. But it was an interesting crowd, and it was a lot of fun. And actually, I really hit it off with one of the couples that was there, who invited me out to their Apparently, very large ranch in Malibu to go horseback riding. So when I get back from New York, I'll be anxious to go do that.
2: Yes, well, right away.
1: I know you're not a horse person. <laughs> no horse, I like. Yeah, but I mean the animal on the horse on a
2: horse. W- what what other animal would there be that's called a horse that isn't a horse? I mean, there are some know. people that are hung like a horse. Yeah, well, or and there are others that are well, hung like you. a seahorse. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> You're welcome.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm very excited because today we have Bruce Holson. And I did his book many years ago. He's such a good guy. You're going to love him. This is what I really like about my business is I meet these clients for business purposes. And then you gravitate towards those that you really like, which are many of my clients because – I've gotten to a place where I don't take on the client if I don't like them that much. Yeah, same here. We have a few that, you know, we like to try to eject. But but for the most part, I, I like my clients. Mm-hmm. And this one has become a very good friend. And, it, it, you know, it's a lot of fun. And it, and it's nice because you gather all these people who have done extraordinary things in their lives. And they're all completely different. And, you know, he happens to be a model. And he's been a model for many years. Uh, many, many, many years, he's one of the very few that has stayed in the modeling business way past what most people would consider their prime.
2: Yeah, no, he was a, he was one of the top male models back in that 70s, yeah. 80s. and he's so still
1: quite sought after, and he's mm-hmm. a charming guy, and so that's going to be a lot of fun. But put a theme around this podcast today for inner versus outer beauty, and he is the perfect example of this because you and I have talked about this before. So many people rely on their looks, and I always say to them, what do you do when the looks are gone? You can't rely on that. You can use it now to your advantage to do something else. You can use it to help propel your career, but someday those looks are going to be gone, so you better have your career set up and going, because at some point now it's going to be on your laurels and not on your looks.
2: Yeah. Well, it's an investment, if you're fortunate enough to be born beautiful and you have good looks throughout your early part of your life, that's an investment. You've got to be able to keep putting some of that away. Because one day, I mean, I remember being a kid and I could walk into a room and I didn't have to say anything. I can get all the attention I wanted. And all of a sudden, years go by and you have to start having a conversation right. to keep an audience. And you start have to say things that mean something and you have to look at yourself in a different way. So everything, everything you invest in life, that you all your blessings have to come back inside of you in order to get you through the final chapters of this world. Anybody that thinks that you can't it's gonna last forever is a hot mess. Wake up at sixty and try and convince that mirror that right. you're still that you've got something inside of you. You have to save something for the rest. Yeah. So Did, anyway, um, he has managed to do that quite well. And his spirituality and his Buddhist uh, practices really uh, show, you know what I mean. That they've uh, that they serve him right. Yeah. Did you get a
1: lot of doors opening for you because of the way you looked when you were young? I had legs opened for me.
2: I had doors. I said doors.
1: (laughs) Yeah, doors. Oh yeah,
2: sure. Life has always been very. But were you aware of that? Yes, but what one thing I did not have, I was all because of my parents. I was able to preserve humility, so I never had the ego. That, that made that unattractive. Did you think you were good
1: looking when you yes. were
2: young? Oh, you did. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I you had it. an ego, but a healthy one. In other words, it didn't take over from me. Right. Like I was the kind of kid in school that had all the friends, right? You know, and all the girls and boys and whatever. Yeah. And but I was still that same person that when there was an unattractive person or a less popular person, I befriended them and brought them into my group and made them feel good and protected. When I was in school, I was a skinny little waif of a thing,
1: 99 pounds. I didn't really sort of come into my own until probably after college. But I never, ever used my looks until probably it was too late. I was probably stupid. I was probably really stupid. Because <laughs> you can't go back. No, you can't go back. But I never, I never uh, looked in the mirror and saw anything you know, that was attractive. Or that anybody would be attracted to, so I never relied on that.
2: And you're such a handsome man. Always, I've known you for thirty years, and you know, I I've never, never seen you thought it. Yeah, it's interesting how how our mind works. You know, but in, it was in good for me. You know reflection. why? Because
1: I worked really hard, and then I realized later. I mean, probably in my 30s. You know, it was maybe Mary Lazar who sort of had a little chat with me, and she said, you know, you should use your looks to get ahead a little bit because you you, you have the work ethic now. You know, you've got to use that little extra something. But it was hard for me because I never saw it. And so it's difficult to invoke
2: something. I never had that kind of an ego
1: where I could walk around. I think there's a
2: difference between the ego and the confidence. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't have the ego. I didn't. But I did have the confidence. And I was always dressed right. I was always athletic. I was in good shape always. I was... Born with good looks and and I try to maintain them as best I can and I've stretched it out as long as I probably could. Now is a whole different story. Oh yeah, as long now I got shut up you. (laughs) 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 Oh yeah, you can't rely on that any longer. (laughs) (laughs) I'll show you. I still got a few tricks left up my sleeve. A couple in the closet, one under the bed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is interesting
1: because I think, but, but I, I think it's an important lesson because. I never relied on that. I never used that as a my crutch. Mm-hmm. I think my attitude is completely different because of it.
2: Interesting. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what he pulls uh, out of that conversation for himself too. Because yeah, you definitely had that as well. You're
1: going to love him. He's a really, really good guy.
2: Yeah, I'm looking forward. So, what do you think? We dive in?
1: Yeah, let's get him out of my bed and get him up here. <laughs>
0: at sax.com
1: Okay, so joining us today, we have Bruce Hulse. And he is an author, a model, a father, a husband, a photographer. And the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Joey, why don't you fill us in on your
2: cocktail that you have created today? I will, I will. Uh, Bruce, you're, you had mentioned that you like caipanilla, which yes. is a... Uh, Brazilian cocktail, so I twisted it around a little bit and uh, made it into, uh, it's called the uh, Sunset Over Ipanema. So it's got all the properties of a caipirinha. I added fresh mint, and then I added a little bit of a pomegranate liqueur just to give it that little pretty pink sunset color. And uh, cheers. Cheers. saul I think is the right uh, term. What alcohol did you use? Rom. Usually I use uh, cachaça, but I, I couldn't find it today
3: for some strange reason. It's hard to find. It's hard to find, yeah. yeah. But cheers. Cheers. Do you remember who introduced us or how we met? Uh, wasn't that at the bathhouse? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Oh, I love you.
3: <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. We met through uh, my buddy Bill Curry, who had a friend that knew you, and we had a lunch in Beverly Hills near your office. You had an office there, and we sat down, we had lunch together. But how did Bill Curry know me? Through his friend, who I didn't know, but she knew you. Because originally, I was going to do a book with him, and we came, sat down. Oh, and that's lunch. right. You were going to do it together. Yeah, Because yes. before you got here, I was like, now, how did we meet? I couldn't remember how we were introduced. It was a girl who knew everybody, one of those girls. I don't I don't remember her name because it was Billy's friend. Right. Oh, maybe it was when I was at the firm or something,
1: and she was yes. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, That
2: was a long time ago. I know. Do you was. want to reveal the years? <laughs>
1: Well, he's older than I am, so oh. it's okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm my, the youngest
3: one at the table, I might my add. So let's be careful. Spiritual teacher mm-hmm. says never reveal, no. never reveal your name. Or not your name, your, your age. I never reveal my yeah. name either. Or your name. <laughs> just <laughs> your phone <laughs> number. Nameless. Just a phone number right. that says figure it I'm out. I'm just a number.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I shall remain unlisted. <laughs> yeah. Now, and you were right. It turned out to be a really good book. You want to plug it while we're here?
3: The title of my book is uh, Sex, Love, and Fashion, or you can get a digital copy called Love and Fashion. Same book, although we have a uh, an extra chapter in that. And Alan was kind enough to broker the deal. He sold it over lunch. I wasn't kind. I took my money <laughs> and ran <laughs>
2: and ran
1: fast. The, uh,
3: but no, it's very difficult to get a book published. Took a, I think a good five years before we got it done, and it turned out really well. Very happy. I'm I'm sort of. Working with it now to to uh, get a um, you know a TV series based on the book. So uh, a, I lot have a, yeah, a lot of sex. Yeah, I have a show streamer. Yes, yeah, sex is sex makes the world go round, it, right? It's absolutely, yes. and it still sells. Yes. yes.
1: Well, so for those that don't know who you are, you were named one of the top ten male models of all time, and here you are in the upper end of the modeling career. <laughs> And you're still modeling a lot, which is very unusual.
3: I'm hanging on. Well, what, do, <laughs> what, do you think, what do you think is attributed to that? Like wh- wh- why do you think that's happening? I mean uh, I was talking to somebody yesterday and, and the number one question when you're on a set with another male model is, uh, dude, what are you doing when – you know, what's next? What's, what are you doing after this? Because you knew it was going to be this temporary thing. The looks don't last or they get tired of you. And so we'd always be coming up, well, I'm going to do this. I'm, I, You know, I had all these plans, and then we called the modeling the golden handcuffs because each time, you know, well, I'm going to go back to graduate school, and then you'd book a job. Well, you just – your agent's calling, you know, you, you have a job in Paris for, you know, $20,000, and, uh, you know, are you, are you ready to go? Yeah, who says no to that? Paris, $20,000. Yeah. Where do I sit and smile? yeah. Exactly. So I kept on getting dragged back into the business. And then you have to have the ability to transition from one category to the next. So I started out as the young, studly, muscular, Levi's, Calvin Klein guy. And then you become the dad. And then eventually you get your first Grandpa job.
1: Yeah, I saw that commercial.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, what? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> my grandpa now? What
1: was that? Wasn't that commercial for like – Oh, like – Prolong or something. Yeah, like,
2: <laughs> like, too, like, Just my ass look good in these diapers? It was one of those
3: <laughs> drug company commercials where – you know, all the disclaimer, you know, blather goes on and yeah. on and on and on. Yeah, and all
1: you hear about is all the things yeah.
3: you can get and you forget yes, what the pill's yeah. for. <laughs> so, but th- there, there's a market. And much more so for, for male. There's an agency in New York now called Iconic Models for mm-hmm. the Females. And so you have women, uh, you know, I work with Elon Musk's mother. M- mother. Yeah. We're shooting with her in New York and, and uh, you know, nice elderly lady. <laughs> like I'm th- thinking, you know, this lady's you know, kind of nice and old, and I'm. You know, <laughs> right. And here I am, you know, exactly
1: the same. So they thing. tell you you're playing her husband, yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> and so we we're the grandparents, and there is a market for men. I mean, that you want to? I'm supposed to be that idealized version of you know an aging male. I'm close to seventy. You know, so you got to stay fit and not lose your hair and, mm-hmm. and you know not go crazy. All those and, things you've done, yeah. And then it's a matter of luck. I've worked with so many different photographers over the years that they say, "Oh, well, let's bring Bruce back. We need an older guy or we're, you know, a lot of times we're doing a story, it's like, you know, the older guy with the younger girl story or mm-hmm. or, or or you're the patriarch in real life. Yeah. Or you're the pa- <laughs> You never see the uh, younger guy with, with the, the older, older girl, girl right. story, you know. Right. <laughs> it's still enjoyable to me. I just shot a – commercial with my daughter out in the desert uh, for Ford. So it was kind of fun working with her and, mm-hmm. and being with a team. And and, uh, and then I did a shoot because they're doing a lot of shoots with family. So I did a shoot with my family for uh, Volkswagen, a print job. Mm-hmm. And so to see my kids working and they're looking at uh, us. And it's like, That's interesting. So, <laughs> so they then, use your real family rather
1: than assemble a family of, of actors Well, normally
3: they assemble a family, but because of the COVID – and the complications. Ah. Sure. So everybody's, sense. you know, we're, you know, so you're on set, everybody's masked and tested. And, yeah. and, and you know, so we're, we're comfortable being without masks right. and close and joking around and hugging and, and all that. Well, it's interesting that you brought up the, you all sit around going, what are you
1: doing next? Because, you know, our theme is inner and outer beauty. And, you know, since I've known you, you've always been very spiritual. And I know you, and in the book, of course, there's a lot of sex. There's a lot of, you know. Tantric uh, sex.
3: (laughs) sex. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: But there's, but it's a lot of, you know, the other models and it's, you know, there's a lot going on. Everybody's traveling and they're in exotic locales and they're, you know. And so, but, uh, but at some point you had sort of this epiphany that it wasn't really kind of doing it for you. And you really kind of went back to a little more of a spiritual side.
3: I had gotten a degree in Buddhist studies from Cornell many years ago, and and I had sort of set out on a spiritual path when I was about 17, realized that, you know, there's something more to life than just making money and, you know, all the things that people were pursuing. And then I think what happened when I started modeling, before that I'd played professional basketball in Europe, and then I came back, and I was in a master's degree in psychology, and I got into the modeling world I think the worst element of myself got cultivated. So Buddhism's about old age, disease, and death, and finding meaning within, you know, those are our teachers. And that modeling world, it's about beauty and who's hot and how do you look and you go on set and everybody's scrutinizing you and, and everybody's beautiful and everything's moving fast So I got a little bit swept up in that. Which is easy to do. Which is easy to do. If you felt something was true and good, and you you come back to your sense of self. So then it became a matter of how do I balance this modeling world with my spiritual world. And, you know, because you're in this school where everybody's good looking. You're you're not like (laughs) special anymore. You know, you're not the good, you know, everybody's like good looking and, and everybody's Beautiful and fantastic and has a great personality. And it was interesting that you meet a lot of seekers, surprisingly enough. You'd think uh, it'd just be a bunch of vain people, you know, polishing their nails. nails. And, yeah.
2: Well, I think, you know, like with anything, especially when that outer beauty is all that's focused on, there has to be a time within that person that they go, there's got to be something behind that. You know, and I think people really do start to self-explore. Especially after a while when it's only about that physical thing. Yeah. You have to start realizing that there's something deeper.
1: 100%. But well, we all have those friends that have relied on their looks their entire lives. and y- Oh, yeah. Y- you and I dated have dated half of them. You, <laughs> <laughs> but you and I know a few now, and we, we always ask them, but what are you going to do Next. when you can no longer do that? Right and they don't they have not it's not really an answer it. that
2: can come off the top of your head i don't think no. and i think that's where the seeking comes into play you know yeah. if you have any sense of really a purpose for yourself and want to see something more than you have to seek
3: yeah it's like a, it's a discipline you develop yourself so you you know you you have your vanity and and you know, your jealousy, you know, why did that person get the job or Mm -hmm. why is that person better looking than me or, you know, or I don't feel, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you work on yourself, like, you know, there's techniques, uh, in the different spiritual traditions. And so you practice these techniques and you try to step outside your ego and Mm. you do develop certain practices. And, you know, I'm a longtime surfer. So that also just to be in the ocean and and yeah. just a, well, a already, it already right sort of centers you a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yes, your yeah. yeah. skiing um, is the same thing where you just get out in the mountain air and the, you know you're just yeah. swooshing down and you yeah get in you're in you connect connecting with state. the nature and not other things. Yeah. yeah, and you get out of your desire or fear. You know, those are the two things that a lot of times propel and, us. And
2: also, it's very dangerous for um, to get caught in your image. So if people can't separate themselves yeah. from what the page says or what the photograph is or or the film, or the character, or whatever that thing is that you identify with for so long, or you're identified yeah. through. And then all of a sudden you wake one, wake up one day, and you there's two things. Either you get completely lost and become a, a mockery of that image, or you grow into it, and then it's all settled.
3: Yeah. yeah. If you don't allow yourself to evolve and change, and, and I, it was interesting. Bruce Weber posted this photograph of me and Talisa Soto on his... Uh, Instagram page today, which was great because all of a sudden my Instagram following went shooting up. <laughs> um, and it's a beautiful photo of she and I on the back of this Chris Craft and I'm smoking a cigarette and, you know, I'm ripped and looking glamorous and it's like a still out of a movie. And when I look at that, I don't think you know, I wish I was there or I wish I could be that person. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's just a beautiful memory. You know, I remember mm-hmm, right. the time. I remember the smells. Well, that's, and that's you know, yeah. that's
2: called, don't you? Aging gracefully.
3: Yes. And that's what we... And that's what we all should aspire to. That's what we should aspire to. Yes. We're looking for purpose and meaning. You know, we're not looking for the next... GQ cover, hopefully, when you've... (laughs) Is
1: that true with the new crop of upcoming models, do you think? Because it seems to us that sort of a younger generation, they've been thrust into a world that's all about, you know, how many likes you get and, you know, what your social media numbers are and things like that. And there's not as much emphasis on, you know, who they are and what they're grounded. They're all trying to find their place sort of on the internet.
3: Yeah, you see that social media thing and you read certain articles. and, and I, But I look at my kids and, you know, I look at my daughter and she, she seems to be having a lot of fun like on TikTok and, you know, like joking. She doesn't – if you don't take it serious, I think you're fine. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I think it's really easy to compare and contrast. Uh, so I think it's difficult if you're in that mindset. You know, like, oh my God, that person is so gorgeous, or that person can dance so well, or right. I'm not you're this. You're comparing or I'm not yourself. That. It's worse than high school. Yeah. You've got now millions <laughs> yes. you're comparing yourself yes. to so, instead of hundreds. There's legit modeling. Like, I mean, there's actual clients, you know, like Old Navy or Banana Republic or Gap or what, you know, that hire you and pay you X amount of money and you're doing it. And then there's the Instagram where they're going to pay you to. Product and yeah, yeah wear product the product. And yeah. and uh, you know, I was shooting for a company that we were only hiring girls that had 50,000 or more Instagram followers, right. and then we were paying them a thousand bucks to throw an outfit on them, shoot them, and it took like a half hour to do. And they would throw it on their Instagram and put a plug for this online right. company, and I, hey. You know, any way you can make money doing it. I mean, why not? I mean, I, yeah, I think it's, no. I, I mean, think in great. the end, yeah. it's
1: all about making money. Yeah, and so why not? But The
2: art form kind of loses, and I guess that's maybe what I was getting at. The art form of that picture, of that model, that image, that 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 becomes iconic because it's you know. I mean, look what Herb Ritz accomplishes. All yeah. these brilliant photographers, Bruce Weber. All these models that really, are, to this day, are just, that's the one. There's there no comparison. Right. We'll be back in just a minute.
1: How did you get discovered? Because it was Bruce Weber, right? You mentioned him earlier. Wasn't it Bruce Weber that found you? There's many origin stories um, to my
3: career. That they've all, that they've all <laughs> taken as their I own. don't know which one is true. <laughs> At this point, I've told so many different versions. <laughs> what uh, did I tell you last time? That's the one. That's the one. I had a girlfriend in New York. Uh, I was in graduate school. She said, you know, you why don't you model? And I was thinking, well, you know, what's that? And she said, you know, like, GQ. And I said, well, what's that? I didn't, you know, it's like, you know, you Let go. surf, t- dude. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I had no clue about, right. you know, in fact, when I started modeling, my mom said, like, what are they crazy? You know, you don't, you don't even own a comb. How, what, are they, <laughs> what are they thinking of? And I said, well, you know, Bruce Weber likes it. It's like, a, you know, it's me. When I started, I went to every agency in New York. Every agency said, you're not a model. You know, you're not the, the look. Tom Lespina at Zoli told me, "Go read GQ, and maybe get some pictures done, and then come back and let me see the pictures." And then you know, I'm thinking, you know, well, if they want me to look like the pictures in GQ, though, somebody would they would hire the, me and get the photographer and the stylist, make it look, the look location, make it look like location, make it right. look. You know, I could see that I was close enough to the guys that I was seeing that. Shot by the right people, I would be able to model. The conundrum is how do you convince everybody else that yeah. you know you're you're there? So everybody said no. I was at a at the Underground. Remember that club? Oh yeah. I mean no, I've never been there.
2: <coughs> I just got something in my throat. Andy Warhol. Oh, you were at the Underground.
3: You were at the Underground. <laughs> the- oh yes. Yes. Okay. It was Underground. <laughs> yeah, it sure was. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, I was at the underground and this French guy came up to me and said, oh, are you a model? And I said, no. And he said, well, I am a representative for uh, this agency in France and, you know, would you like to model and, and let me take some pictures? So I went and he took some pictures of me, sent it to France. I ended up flying over to Paris with $200 in my pocket and I remember walking into the agency and seeing my good buddy Todd Irvin, who was like roared up on his motorcycle. He was the it boy at the moment and he had these leather pants on and Todd, Todd, we love you. You know, how are you? <laughs> you are working here. You're going to Africa. And I'm thinking – I'm standing over in the corner like, you know, I want some of that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I didn't work at all. I remember sitting around reading the Herald Tribune and reading my Buddhist – books and, you know, getting my omelet uh, fromage and uh, my salad vet and my <laughs> vin rouge every day. And so finally, everybody left for Christmas. I was the only one left in town. And this job came up at the last second for Lomo Vogue with Paolo Riversi, who's a, a, he's a big Italian photographer. And so I found myself in front of a wall of studio lights. I mean, he had this Technique where he used this big, large format Polaroid camera it was, and he would take like one shot, and they dress you, and I'm in front of this wall of pol- you know, the, this wall of studio lights, and and I'm sort of shaking. And I'm <laughs> thinking, oh my God, I don't want to fuck this up, and and uh, you know, they took the pictures, and and um, you know, you could see him right there, and he looked, I thought, that, yeah, it looked like a model. So I went back to uh, New York, and I thought, well, it didn't work out. I'm, I wasn't meant to be a model. I just graduated from this master's program. I was looking to go in for a doctoral program in clinical psych. And so I was just hanging out. I, I get a phone call from that agent. Bruce, Bruce, your, your pictures have come out. They want to book you in uh, Berlin for these fashion shows. You know, You owe us money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was so like, they're like, just looking you because they, they want their money back. They want money So I went back to Paris and did that job in Berlin. And then I started, those pictures came out and I was working all the time. I was mm-hmm. like, you know, it's, this is kind of great. So we had Janice Dickinson on the show a few weeks ago. Okay. She had a few things to say about you. She did. Well, did you have sex? No. Oh. Never. Did she say? Regretfully, she said. No, I <laughs> no, did not. No, I did a... I did she a, regretted uh, that she did not. I did a fashion show <laughs> no, with her. That was her. a trick, but we got the answer well, We got the you. answer. <laughs> no, Fooled a, you. I did a fashion show with her for Versace at his at this palace in, in Italy, and they would always have like the two main models. So it was Janice and I, and there was a scene at the end where I'm um, dressed as bride and groom, uh-huh. and uh, she was kind of giving me the... Hungry eye look. <laughs> I, I, was little, well. I was uh-huh. a little bit. I, I didn't know that she didn't
1: have that look.
3: <laughs> I was a bit intimidated. intimidated yeah, and we by talked her. about
1: you and your book actually when she was on. Um, but she had some wild stories.
3: Wild she, stories. She, she was. Uh, I have some good friends that uh, crossed her path, and, mm-hmm. and uh, all right. Told well, me you're not you,
1: going to get around this. Told me we want to have... hear one of your wild stories. Because I know you have. It's some. only fair, and I think there's some in the book. So you could retell one of those if you wanted. Okay, a wild
3: <laughs> story. Um I was on a shoot for Victoria's Secrets out in the Hamptons. The photographer, Stan Schaefer. I don't know if you knew Stan. No. Huge photographer in the '70s, and just a great guy, but a wild man. Loved the party and. He loved to play pool, so he bought me this pool stick and go out and we'd drink and he always had coke I wasn't a big drug guy, but like if somebody Does that mean up, you were a small drug guy I wasn't a small drug i i just wasn't <laughs> i was i was really into the health and right, you know yeah, okay. the, you know it's hard to meditate when you're you know High. hung over from coke right. and all that, but you know there was, <laughs>
2: you can't concentrate on shit anyway
3: there was Times though that uh, you'd show up at a shoot and the hairdresser would be laying outlines. So that was, it was the code. That was Janice's code name for it. Any
2: hairspray in the house?
3: Yeah. <laughs> so we we were getting drunk and doing coke and shooting pool and having this great old time. And we walk outside and I turn around and he boom he clocks me punches me almost knocks me out right and nails me right in the eye. You know, and I've been hit before, so I. I Stan, what the fuck, man? What are you doing? <laughs> oh, oh so, so sorry, sorry. I thought you were somebody else. Oh, and, uh, oh my! <laughs> so the next morning, yeah, I'm the guy that came with you. <laughs> yeah, remember, yeah. your friend. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The next morning, I get up and we're all having breakfast together. And I come walking out, and I got this huge shiner, you know, and it's cut and and all that. And Stan looks up at me and says, "What the hell happened to you?" Oh, he
1: really did party.
3: And how did they work around that? Put the makeup, makeup. on. Oh, they did it work. You know, use that angle and there's all the all – Shadow. The, all the tricks.
1: Did anything in your career of modeling send you off to discover
3: something else, you know, that, that interested you? That's a great question. Immediately when I was on set with Bruce and some of these great photographers, I thought, I'm going to get a camera. This looks like fun. So I immediately went out and bought myself a little Nikon FE and some great lenses and started taking pictures. And this was at the very beginning of my career. And, you know, I just posted a picture of Stan on my Instagram the other day. And people were like, Stan Schaefer. And But, you know, I'd take pictures of the models and, you know, the locations. And, you know, I did that for years. And I, then I started doing headshots and model tests. And eventually I ended up getting a photography Agent, so and um, you know, I became a legit photographer. So I go back and forth between being a model and and being a photographer.
1: You know, you took photos of us, as you know, but there is a, a great photo of me and
3: Will and the dogs. That was that was a fun day. That was a fun it, sitting. It was yeah. a fun fun yeah. day. You guys look really nice together. Thank you.
2: It's really important to know pretty much everything you can about what that profession oh, yeah. is. And so many people just think it's enough to show up and count to 10, but they're pigeon-toed or, yeah. you know what I mean? They, they don't know the poses. They don't, and it's not easy work to hold a pose to get the right shot. I mean, that's you it's a lot of athleticism
3: I mean, involved. I had an acting minor at Cornell, and I think the greatest – Training for a model is mm-hmm. to do any sort of acting. Absolutely. Because
2: you can emote to the camera yeah. that
3: yeah. way. And it's a little bit of acting. It's just oh, still it's acting. Yeah, they don't want mm-hmm. you sitting there like a dead, you know. Yeah, like a, right.
2: bag, of, like a bag of potatoes.
3: Yeah. Well, we would do these German catalogs, you know, and we used to talk like because you'd be in the hot sun in the Canary Islands for, you know, eight days shooting, you know, shot after shot. Yeah. And we, we used to call it the, the – uh, the smiling dead clown face.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> or you'd be in, fri- or it's freezing cold, and you have to, act- and you're in a bikini.
3: Yeah, I remember I got hired for a, a job for skiing. Like you go into a casting, and if they ask you, can you do that, you always say yes. yes. Right. And not only yes, but yeah, I'm. Can an you expert. skydive? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so sure. I remember going on this casting uh, shoot. Yes. <laughs> And it, I forget what it was for, but it, I I said that I was an expert skier. And I remember getting up to uh, Killington in Vermont, and they had me out in the slope, and they wanted me to do this jump off this thing and turn the skis. And I said, "I said, what are you kidding?" I said, (laughs) "You know, I can stand here and pose, and I can get down the hill." And I said, "You believe what I said?" And and that that thing. And they they were like, so they had to hire another guy to do that to do that, and then there'd uh, there'd be a shot of me standing there uh, posing. Uh But they—they they were happy. Were they pissed? No. Oh no, because you know they want to. You weren't the first to lie. To exactly. Yeah. <laughs> don't never trust a, a male model. Okay. Okay, that's a good. One. Now I don't. I make they're... them leave right after. <laughs> I've been married twenty-seven years now. Yes, to a really to a model by yes. the way. Yes. Yes. Really
1: beautiful. Really intelligent. Yes. And a lot of fun.
3: Yeah very few models that end up you know that you know there's of course a lot of hookups and yeah. relationships but very few models end up lasting the test of time because they're used to like their next booking you <laughs> know I'm tired of this <laughs> booking and location now and they're ready to move on I was lucky cuz my wife is a real solid gal from Texas and and uh you know with a real Strong spiritual base, and and um, you know we we've made it work. So right, one yeah, of the, that's great. One of the and she two. doesn't worry when you go off; she's happy because it's right. like well, I, I get, get some, some peace time for myself. Around the, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. I get some peace around the house. All right, tell our audience where they
1: can find you.
3: You can find and me. I out. don't mean your home address. Follow <laughs> me on my Instagram. I am always looking for new Instagram followers. It's Bruce W. Hulse, H U L S E, Instagram. And uh, thank, thank you. you. It's been a pleasure. These guys are yes, delightful. Thank you for thank yeah, and, Bruce. Cute. and We are
1: delightful. <laughs> I may say Bye. so myself. So I told you we were going to like him.
2: Oh, absolutely. He's, a He's really, everything we, we thought. Really more.
1: nice guy. And I'm anxious for you to meet his wife, Katrina. They are a really charming couple. And by the way, they have two unbelievable kids, too. We thank you for joining us. We thank everyone for who's been rating and reviewing the podcast. We really appreciate your support. And if you're new to the podcast, let us know what you think. If you have any questions, we're here.
2: Absolutely. And don't forget to follow us on social media. We'll be posting recipes, photos, and links from each episode just for you. And if I get brave
1: enough, I'll have the photo that Bruce took of us. I'll post it on social media. Oh, good idea. I just don't know if I want to um, expose myself like that.
2: We'll see. Um, Your zipper's down? zipper's up, but (laughs) my guard is down. Keep the questions coming, so message us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or email your questions to contact at twoguysfromhollywood.com. And we'll talk at you soon.
1: Two Guys from Hollywood is hosted, created, and produced by Alan Nevins and Joey Santos produced by Lauren Boone, editing and post production by Nathan Moody, music by Luca, executive produced by Dan Patrick. It is also executive produced by Paul Anderson and Nick Panella for Workhouse Media. This podcast is a production of Renaissance Literary and Talent and Dan Patrick Productions in association with Workhouse Media. Two Guys Two Guys from Hollywood is a production of iHeartRadio and the Dan Patrick Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio,